0: Here we are. We'll do it, and it'll be all right. So, um, anyway, that's going on. No Bible study tonight, um, and no youth group, because we're going to stick around here and, and do this work afterwards. So, uh, that being said, I think that's all the announcements. I believe that's right. Nobody's got anything? Well, <clears throat> let's just let's, let's just consider where we've been over the last three weeks, and maybe you didn't even realize that the first week we were, were celebrating Advent, uh, considering hope. And the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, we were finishing out the book of Ruth. And <clears throat> the the last section of Ruth closes with a, a lineage or a genealogy that depicts that out of Ruth's line would come David. And that same genealogy is picked up by Matthew in the New Testament where, where he demonstrates that through David came Jesus. And so it's easy to begin to recognize that through Ruth in, in this... Um, this connection that Ruth and Boaz had, and was made by God, was brought together by God. Became there, there came a great hope. In fact, in a sense, Boaz for Ruth was the answer to her immediate needs. You know, there was a, a sense that he provided hope for her in the moment. But as the book closes out and depicts the how how, the, how God was working in history and how God was going to work in the future, the reality is is that we see that. Ruth's hope was not Boaz, but Ruth's hope was who would come through her line, Jesus Christ. And so her hope is also our hope. We have a confident expectation in the things to come because of what we have seen God do in the past, because of what we see him doing now, and because of what he has promised to do in the future. We have a confident expectation, not a hope that disappoints, not a hope that lets us down, not a hope that um, is wishful thinking but that we can confidently expect to occur. We can hope in these things. So we started with hope, and that hope gave way to joy. We, we, we can know joy, not just some, some fleeting emotion or some, some uh, momentary burst of happiness, but we can know an infinite joy. We can be completely satisfied and, 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 and happy and happy and um, in, f- in fact, the word really talks about a shining, where where we are ecstatic, and there's this this light shining back off of us. We can experience that because of what Jesus Christ has done. That joy also comes, or that hope also leads to peace. And and we saw last week as as in the coming of Christ, we saw that God was moving to bring peace to His creation. He wasn't simply he wasn't simply doing something for a moment. He wasn't simply doing something in that moment, but something that would eventually come where complete peace would be known. And in Jesus Christ, the, the angels came and they said this was going to be a, a, well, first they said it was a message of great joy that would be that would be tidings of peace. And, and so this idea was is that this contentment or this, this um, I, I'm a little off today. I, I can't think of the word I want to say, but a removal of tension, a removal of conflict that, that through him all of this would be made possible and as as we considered that we couldn 't help but notice that we do live in a place of tension we do experience conflict and we still experience it today but what is coming is is so much to look forward to where where the where the you know the wolf and, and or the bear and i, I can 't remember all that isaiah said at this point but All of these things would occur where everything would be made right, and there would be no tension, there would be no conflict, there would be no death, there would be no pain, there would be no suffering. All of this would be made right. And we have that to look forward to. And all of that is because Jesus came. All of that was because of what God decided to do through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, as we celebrate in in, in this season of Christmas, as we celebrate in this season, we're not simply celebrating what happened once. Yeah, we, we do want to remember that. We do want to celebrate it. We do want it to mean something to us. But we look forward to what he's doing through that time, because of that time, and, and out of that time. We, we look forward to the time when Jesus Christ will come again, and all of these promises that were made will be fulfilled. And see, there's this great thing about Christianity. There's this great thing because... In Christianity, there's a distinct difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world. You see, in Christianity, in in all the other religions of the world, God, or or, or we are trying to find our way to God, whether it's Muslim, uh, Mormons, uh, you, you name it. They're all trying to find their way to God. In Christianity, God came to us to provide a way for us. And in so doing, he gave us hope. He gave us something that we could confidently look forward to. He provided to us joy, a real joy. that's not tied to the circumstances of life, but that's built on the very truth that he is here, that he has come, and that he is coming again. And and he brought to us peace, not just with with the things around us, but, but with himself and in relationship with one another. He's broken down barriers. And all of this, all of this, has built on one great and beautiful attribute of God. His love. You see, if God had been indifferent and had not loved us, He wouldn't have sent His Son. We wouldn't have Christmas to celebrate. We wouldn't have Advent to to consider. We wouldn't have His first coming to even think about. And we definitely wouldn't have his return to look forward to you. But because he loved us, he came. Let's pray. Dear me Father, I, just, I thank you. I, I thank you for the work that you did. I, I thank you for loving us enough, loving us so much. We are unworthy. We obviously don't deserve it. We, we, we obviously... We're rebellious. We're we're thoughtless. We, We often act against you. We thank you that you loved us and that you acted in our best interest and that you sent your son. I pray, God, that as we celebrate that truth and celebrate your love, that we will be reminded of how great it is And just how well we have been loved. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: the hands of God could be so small. How tiny fingers reach Okay, here. Yeah. Jesus the Christ Born in Bethlehem A baby born to save To save
0: so desperately to be loved I mean we're preoccupied with it I mean consider consider the movies that that, that are, are so popular you know uh, there's always this this line this this theme of, of someone loving someone else I mean romantic comedies you just consider those just even by themselves we watch people fall in love out of love and back in love we write stories where where, where the, the the main characters are, are, are loving one another we we even in television shows, even in television shows, there's, if, if it lasts for any amount of time, there's, there's at least at one point in the series that, that two main characters, are you just want them to fall for one another. Because we want to know love. We want to experience love. We want to know what it is to be loved. We write stories about it. We, we, we write poetry about it. We try to depict love in art. We even promote sayings like love, not war. We want to know love. We are so preoccupied with, with desiring love, and yet we don't even recognize, I think at times, why we so desperately desire it. I think it's because we desperately desire to be loved by our Creator. I think that there's an innate desire in each of us to be loved in this way by our Creator. And, and yet we're, we're so ready to, to accept these these substitutes these, these incomplete versions of that love. So we try to replace it with emotional connections and, and, and sexual feelings. And like so many other things in this world, it always lets us down. You see, as long as the emotion is good, as long as the emotions are strong, then things are pretty good. But emotions are like a wave, the waves in an ocean. Now I mean, they ebb and flow. Sometimes they're high. Sometimes it's high tide and things are great. Sometimes it's low tide. Things aren't so great. And those sexual feelings, that, that, those feelings of lust that cause us to, to desire someone else are built out of something much different than a true love. Built more on desire and, and conquest than anything that can, can be compared with love. See, God's love and, and the very reason that we have hope and, the, and hope of peace and hope of joy, the, the, the very truth is, is that God's love provides us because His love is not emotion-based. It's not based on some feeling. It's not based on some, some, small, some, some small little uh, fluttery feeling inside of us. It's based on His choice and His action. You see, we know God's love and how real it is and how big it is, not because he simply sits back and says it's true, but because he shows us it's true. And I think this can be depicted in probably what is one of the most popular verses from scripture, if not the most popular verse from scripture, the, the most well-known verse of all time. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, for, for so much of the time that that verse has, has been pondered and thought on and, and discussed and debated, and, and what does it mean? So often people come to the word world and they stop there and they want to debate, who does he love? What is he loving? And they talk about, does he love the creation? Does he just love all of the creation? Or does he love all people? Or is he just loving a select group of people? And the debates between theologians and scholars, you know, they, they just go back and forth and they discuss what, what it's all about. And I think that the problem with that is it misses the point of the verse. It misses the most beautiful thing that that verse has to say. You see, that verse is not first and foremost about us or those that he loves. That verse is primarily that God loved. Imagine it. For God so loved and I don't know who you might think the world represents but no matter who you think or what you think it represents the very fact that God loved a fallen and broken and scarred creation at any level should amaze us it should move us we should be in awe of it. Imagine if we had been the ones that had been wronged. Imagine if, if our something we had created had rebelled against us. Imagine if something we had put together did not fulfill its intended purpose. Imagine if something that we had done had fallen apart. What would we do with it? Probably sent it back to where it came from. You probably would have had nothing no reason no 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 desire to do anything further but God loved God loved and as you think about that as you consider that there's really two ways that we could even look at that first statement for for God so loved there's two ways that we could perceive that there's two perspectives we could come from on it For God so loved, He loved in this way. How does it say He loved? He loved by sending His Son. You see, God's God's love, it's not emotion. It's not some simple feeling. But it's a real act. It's a real movement. It's solid and tangible. We can describe it not because because we know exactly what it is, but because we can see it moving and acting. God loved by doing what? He sent his son. He sent his son. If you're a parent, you might be able to grasp this just a little bit. God knew that Jesus would be despised. He knew that Jesus would be rejected. He knew that Jesus would eventually pay an ultimate price taking on the sin of the world. And yet His love for the world was so great He loved us in this way. He sent His Son. He sent His Son. He didn't love us more than His Son. He didn't love us in a greater way than His Son. But He did love us in this way. He didn't stay distant. He didn't act as if He didn't care. He didn't stay and and leave it to itself. He didn't walk away from it and close the door on it and, and leave it. as Just whatever happens, happens. I couldn't care less. He loved in this way. He sent his son. And another perspective that you might see here, and you might be able to consider here, is that God loved us this much. For God so loved the world, meaning he loved the world this much. He loved the world this much. You know, there's a thought today, there's a, a uh, perspective today in our culture that's pretty prominent. Uh, we've just studied it recently in our Bible studies on Sunday night. That a loving God and a wrathful God can't be the same God. That, that love and wrath can't exist within the same God. The idea is, is that oftentimes people look at the Bible, and they look at the Old Testament, and they see a God of wrath. And they look at the New Testament, and they see a God of love, and they think, well, these are two different gods. Maybe like distant cousins or something that, you know, they just get together and fight with one another at times and do different things. And the God of wrath does tor- terrible things to the earth, and the God of love does good things to the earth. And then they're competing with one another, maybe playing chess with us. And that's, that's a totally screwed up view of what the Bible teaches. You see, we don't think of it in this way very often. But God loved the world enough that wrath exists. Consider this. If you have, uh, let's just, let's just you, you have someone you care about deeply, whether it's a child or whether it's, whether it's a, a good friend, you have someone that you care about deeply, and they are doing things that are destructive. You're going to want to help them stop doing things that are destructive. You're going to want them to st- stop making bad decisions. You're going to want to help them quit living in such a way that, that they're harming themselves, right? You're going to want the best for them because you care. As a parent, we often discipline our children. We punish our children. We, we, we let them deal with the consequences. We, bring to, we, we, we allow them to, to uh, feel pain and, and deal with the issues that come because of their bad decisions. Sometimes people call that tough love. The reality is that I think that's love. God loved the world enough that he had wrath because in it he saw, he saw his creation fall, he saw his creation scarred, he saw his creation marred. He saw it totally depraved. If he hadn't cared, you know what would have happened? Nothing. But he was angry because he cared. He was hurt. He was grieved because he cared. He stood opposed to it because he cared. See, God's wrath is really a result of his great love. God loved the world enough that he had wrath. You know what's worse? What would have been worse? Would have been if God had been indifferent to our fall, If God hadn't cared. If God hadn't considered us worth doing anything over I would much rather be hated than someone not care about me at all see God loved the world enough that wrath was a result of its fall wrath was a result of of his creation falling but see that's not where the that's not where their love ended that's not how small his love was See, God's love was so great that it moved beyond wrath to providing us a way out of wrath. You see, he cared greatly, he cared deeply. It was grieving him, it hurt him. He responded and there's anger and, and, and he's standing opposed to all that is against him. But in that, he loved us so much. He loved us so greatly. That he sent His Son. He loved us so greatly that, knowing what His Son would endure, knowing what His Son His Son's life would become, knowing what His Son would have to do, knowing what His Son would have to become, He sent Him. You see, as we sit here in this, in, in, at the end of this Christmas season. We're about to quit celebrating the coming of our Christ. We're about to quit thinking about the fact that He came and what it means. But this should be the thing that marks our whole life. God loved and sent His Son because He loved. He loved us this way He sent His Son. He loved us so much that He sent His Son. And we're about to walk away from it into a new season and forget. But it should be the very thing that helps us get up in the morning. It should be the very reason that we go to a job that sometimes doesn't make us happy. It should be the very thing that enables us to love our families well. Because we have been loved well. Well. How do you respond to a love like this? What do you do knowing that God loved you in this way and loved you this greatly? How 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 do you live life in in, in reflecting on that? I, I think the verse tells us believe. Believe it. Trust it. Because it's in that faith, it's in that belief that the life truly comes. It's in that faith, it's in that, in, in that trust that the, the, the difference is really made. Believe it. And then the next verse, in verse 17, it says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And then it goes on in verse 19 and it says, And the judgment is this, that the light has come into the world, but, but mankind has loved the darkness more than the light. We're going to have to let go of all of those things that that should condemn us. We're going to have to let go of all of those things that that in this life we love more than His light. Let go of it. There's so many things. Sometimes even noble things. That we prioritize before our God. that, that, That mean more to us than Him and His love for us. You see, it's because of his love for us that we have reason to live. It's because of his love for us that we have hope for a future. It's because of his love for us that we can experience peace. It's because of his love for us that we can know joy. It's because of his love for us that his son put on flesh and dwelt among us that he came to be with us that that we can even consider knowing him as our savior. It's because of his love for us. How do you respond? You believe. Live a life of faith. You repent. You let go of all of those things that are more important to you than Him. You you drop them as if they're chains and weights that, that easily entangle and slow you down. And you run this race looking at the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. We celebrate. You see, we don't just celebrate one day a year. That's my one problem with Christmas and Thanksgiving and other holidays that we celebrate. Because in our fashion, in our way of doing things, well, we just relegate Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving Day and we relegate the celebration of of Jesus coming to Christmas Day. But that should mark our life. That should should be the the mode of operation for us. That should be our, our standard operating procedure. That should be who we are should be who we have become we celebrate <clears throat> and we anticipate what's to come you see we we, we look back now we, we never have to question God's love for us We never have to wonder if God cared or if God loves us because Jesus came. He's a real man. He was a real figure. He he, he came and performed a real mission. Historically, you can prove it to be true. You can see beyond the scriptures that this man really lived. And you can learn about his crucifixion. And in the scripture, you can hear that he resurrected. And you can see that God was with us. He walked the face of the earth because of that we never have to wonder again whether he's loved us or not cuz he loved you in this way in this great way he loved you he loved me but right now as is so true for every one of us we look at this through a foggy dirty glass and what's to come what will be revealed when when Christ returns, when He comes back and and makes all things new, that's what we long for. That's that that longing within us. That's that's, That's what will bring fulfillment to all of this, is Jesus Christ's return. So we believe, we repent, we celebrate His life, and we anticipate His return. However you look at it, Whatever you do with it. My hope is, is it today? Tomorrow? Sometime in June? Maybe even in July? You're sitting and you're thinking, you're contemplating how you know God's love. And I hope you'll remember that God loved you this way and this much. He sent His Son So that you could have life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I know you're thinking he's got to have more. This is the shortest I've heard him talk.